Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Good, Bad, and Ugly of Business podcast. I am your host, Katrin Becker. Today, I am joined by Melinda Lenzi, who is the owner and operator of an incredible flower shop in the Houston, Texas area called the Exotica, the Signature of Flowers. I had met Ma- Melinda a few years ago, and I really love how she puts her personal touch um, to everything she does with flowers. And it really, because when you give flowers, it's for a, you know, a personal reason, like you're giving flowers generally out of love or sympathy or congratulations. And I love how Melinda really brings that in when she is creating her amazing um, bouquets and, and different creations that she has. So I'm so excited to talk to you more about this, Melinda. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Katrin. Uh, thank you for having me here. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So I have so many questions. I'm so got so I mean, I know we've known each other and talked in like the business sense, but I've never really had the opportunity to just like ask you all my questions. So I'm very excited for this. I'm very scared. <laughs> uh, I, I will do my best. Oh, I'm sure. Before I we dive in and I ask you a million questions. Um, I'd love for you to give the listeners a little bit of background on kind of how you got, how you got to this point, you know, what kind of led you into flowers and how long have you been in business and those kind of just kind of background stuff before we get into it. Well, um, <laughs> the flower shop that I currently have was supposed to be an investment where, you know, I had my own job, my husband had his own job and, uh, you know, we were just investing in a company that had a manager and, um, you know, didn't pan out the way we planned. And I ended up quitting my job and taking over the business, been doing it for 25 years. And as of Valentine's Day, we'll be 26 years. That um, is amazing. But um, I guess if you want to go back even further, how I even maybe got here was I think I was inspired by my grandmother because she always had flowers in uh, garden, you know, she was just a flower person. So I think that um, my grandmother willed this on me because I've been in a lot of different industries and this is the one I've stuck with for quite some time. So that's kind of the background. Um, didn't really have any flower experience, took a floral class. I have kind of an art background. So I think the two work together really well. And I think that's why this kind of works. And then Personality-wise, I guess um, my my gift would be that I'm a more caring, empathetic kind of person for the most part. Um, and so I think when you mesh all three of those together, you end up with exotica. <laughs> so. so that I am just gobsmacked that this was kind of something you accidentally fell into and have just been doing for 26 years. I mean that really, that really says a lot. And cause you know, people being in business for a long time, is it based on passion or is it based on, you know, skill? What do you think has been your success in this area? Um, well, if you want to go back to when I was a child, my dad, um, has always been in business. Um, he had a gas station and then he had a liquor store. And when I was, probably whatever eighth grade is, is that 13 or 14? He, he introduced me to a guy that had a firework stand. And so literally I've had a, I've been a entrepreneur since that point, because he let me run the entire stand by myself. He'd come check on me and he showed me how to 
count money and that sort of thing. So um, business is definitely in my background because I've always had da- my dad kind of be the role model for, hey, this is, you know, that's what I thought was normal. You know, my mom would go off to an eight to five. I never, I mean, I saw her, he would go visit her job, but I'm just saying, you know, I watched him, how hard it was to work. You know, the hours were not good. His, you know, like when we had the liquor store, the trucks would come in with all the um, inventory at like seven in the morning, but the liquor store stayed open until midnight. So he literally had to do those hours and it was Monday through Saturday. So it was really difficult. I helped him with book work. You know, I, I did entered entered the tickets for him in the computer or well, when a computer back then, it was a, I don't even know what you call that, a little adding machine, I guess. And we had the little <laughs> reels of paper and we'd, you know, do all that and give it to the accountant. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's kind of what kind of led to this. Um, and then the fact that I liked flowers because of my grandmother. So I, I don't know how it all kind of tied together. It wasn't something I was actively going, I want a flower shop. It was not by any means, but it was more, I know how to run a business. I love flowers, you know, and I'm kind of creative, but I never saw myself being the designer or being the person, you know, how it is today. I, I, I just always thought I was going to be in the background doing the book work and just, you know, letting it kind of happen, but that's not really what happened. <laughs> well, it's fascinating because in, in, in other interviews that I've done and in my own personal story, you know, I did not grow up seeing entrepreneurs like, you know, my family, my, you know, immediate family, their friends, you know, all the people that I had as uh, role models growing up all had, you know, nine to five jobs. They all had corporate jobs that that was, that was what I was modeled. And so it wasn't until, you know, later in life that I was like, this really isn't me and kind of had to fall into entrepreneurship. And I've heard that story with, with many other people. So I think it's so fantastic that you had it as an example growing up and it was just a good fit for you to continue to go. So in your opinion, it's just being, having all these years of experience in business successfully. What do you think is the six, like the key components that make you successful in business or that what's something that someone who's new to entrepreneurship, um, would need to know. You have to be very focused. You have to be driven. You have to not be afraid of failure. Um, you know, you, I have had so many bad things happen and a million and one times wanted to quit every Valentine's day. My shop's up for sale because that is the worst (laughs) holiday. I'm telling you, I'm like, it's for sale this year. I've said that for 25 years. (laughs) It's an incredibly horrible holiday. It makes you just want to just cry sometimes. But um, I would say determination. If you're not a determined person and you're afraid of failure, I don't like failure. I go out of my way to avoid it. In fact, it's stifling sometimes because I overanalyze. That's my one bad, well, there's many bad things, but that's my worst thing is that I overanalyze and I'm afraid to go forward because of some of the past experiences I've had and I don't want to be there again, you know? Mm. So I would say determination. Um, and then this last year, um, I, I finally reached out and I would encourage business owners to do this. I waited 25 years to do this, but I started reaching out and getting coaches and you're one of them. <laughs> um, emotional uh, coaching, 
you know, just somebody else to look at your business to see, hey, is this a good, am I going a good direction? How can I make this better? And then put your feet to the fire to make you follow through. Yeah, so I have a procrastination gene. So, um, and it mostly it's, it's from fear. It's from fear of failure. And so I tend not to. Well, and I really see this. Fast. I really see this a lot with people who um, have more of, you know, left brain tendencies, more on the analytical side of things that when they feel like they don't have enough information to move forward, that's really when procrastination sits in, you know, it's that analysis mm-hmm. by paralysis um, situation. Okay. I really want to dig more into Valentine's day (laughs) because, you know, you're providing so much joy for so many others, but it sounds like it's at quite the personal expense. Yeah. What makes that so miserable for you? Well, (laughs) where do we begin? Um, people wait to the last minute to order. That is the worst thing. And I will tell you right now, I mean, I know your podcast is going to air after the fact. This is January 5th. I have to have all, all, A-L-L, of my flower orders in by this weekend for Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of risk involved. And that's where the analysis paralysis comes in. I'm like, okay, last year we did great. But to this year, or no, last year was okay. I think it fell on a Sunday this year. No, no, it was on a Monday. Sorry. This year it falls on a Tuesday. That's an okay day. So I have to analyze, okay, this many people bought, are they going to buy again? And then are they going to be more or are they going to be less? And it depends on the day Mm. Valentine's falls on. And it depends on the economy. It depends on, there's so many factors. And with all the inflation going on right, right now, it's, I have extreme analysis paralysis, <laughs> but do you um, think people so buying see, buying's an issue. Mm-hmm. Do you think people see buying the flowers as more of a luxury, or is it just it's more routine? I would say luxury, but I'm gonna say, like anything, like with Christmas or any holiday, there's some kind of a pressure there that I feel bad for people that are buying because I think they feel obligated. And then I think they think I'm holding them up so I can get more money. When in fact, I'm actually not marking it up as much as I would on an everyday purchase because I don't want it to look like I'm a price gouger, but yet I'm getting penalized. I'm taking a hit and Mm -hmm. I'm hiring overtime. So there's a lot of things going on here where I barely break even at, at Valentine's. So I dislike that holiday for that very reason. And maybe it's because I do care about the product. If I was a grocery store, I wouldn't care. I just buy a bunch of stuff and go here, take it. You know, yeah. here's a, you know, throw five, six stems together and then Voila. wrap it in uh, 50 bucks, you know, and really it's worth 10 bucks, <laughs> but whatever they do, you know, I, I don't, I don't do my stuff on, quantity. I try to do it on quality. And I will say Valentine's day, the quality is down, but I, I really research. I really do my best to get you best quality, even though maybe it's not my everyday quality. It's the best at Valentine's. So there's a lot involved with that holiday. That's I told my husband, I said, one of these days, I'm just going to put a sign up that says gone to Jamaica. (laughs) 
I'm going to take a picture of my feet with the ocean in front of it. So Because y'all procrastinators are Jamaican me crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if they, if, yeah, I mean, I get they don't want to spend, it's usually a hundred bucks, you know, by the time it's all done or maybe slightly more and this year, probably more, but um, well, there's a I'd lot love, of risk. I'd love to know <laughs> more about that. I think the supply chain part of flowers is fascinating to me. So I'd love to know more about what that looks like, you know, behind the curtain. Well, everything, ex- well, there's, there's a few growers here in the States. There's some tulip growers on the East coast. There's, you know, California has a wide range of things that they grow, but those farms are becoming far and few in between on the, on the California side, because they're selling their farms to be in the hemp industry, I should say. So most of our product is out of the country. And so just the whole, you know, when they have to cut the product to supply that quantity of flowers is incredible. Some things are cut, depending on what it is, you know, weeks to months ahead. Really? And then people wonder why their flowers didn't last the normal time. Well, you know, if they normally do a hundred, but just example, a hundred bunches of flowers on an everyday basis. And then at Valentine's, we're talking 10,000 bunches. Somebody's got to cut it. Somebody's got to inspect it. Somebody's got to pack it. So they have to do this way out. They have holding coolers that just hold product. And then they have to package that. They have to ship it. You know, there's just so many things involved. And so you know, when you get your product at Valentine's Day and it doesn't last very long, don't blame the florist. You know, it's a, it's, it's what it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's such cut a good way point. too. Mm-hmm. And thinking about all of the different, you know, the economic factors, as you mentioned, you know, of the pressure of the farmers using their land for a more valuable crop, but then also like climate factors, you know, mm-hmm. the different freezes and things we've had and how that's going to have um, implications and, and effects on things. I mean, have you seen kind of that over your 25 years or not so much? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Ecuador is, I think it's Ecuador. It's one of those countries over there. I can't remember which one, but they always have a flooding season Mm. and availability gets kind of scarce. Product looks really ratty. Um, but you just don't know. And it's scary when, when you've got a really big wedding booked and you're counting on that product and a monsoon comes through there and they're the only ones that grow the product. And that's why when I do interviews with brides, I always tell them have a second choice. I don't think they understand what that means. I don't think they realize, well, and they don't because I'm, you know, I've done this for 25 years and I've seen all these weird things happen. It could freeze on the plane, just flying over from, you know, if they don't pressurize the plane, it could freeze in in there. So I'm always like second choice because if that product flies over and it's damaged, we don't have time to reorder and ship that back over. It takes, you know, three or four days for that to happen. And so typically my flowers come in the week of the wedding. I won't have time to make the product. So Mm. there's all these weird things that kind of go on behind the scenes that people don't realize, but you know, uh, I try not to stress over it. I just try to 
really communicate and tell them, hey, there's a high chance that this could happen. And I kind of wonder sometimes if that scares them maybe not to book with me because hey, she's wishy-washy. Well, I'm not really. I'm trying to be very open and honest with you. Realistic. Just because yeah, the florist next door is telling you, oh, yeah, we can do it. Don't worry about it. Well, they're lying. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah. I don't know why they would say that out loud. They truly don't know. I mean, unless they are, unless they own the farm and they have the private plane, I don't know how you can guarantee that. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, it's just like when you put something in the refrigerator and it's too close to it and it comes out frozen. I've done that with yogurt so often. I'm like, why is my yogurt frozen? <laughs> yeah, I've got a fridge like that too. I'm, it's a brand new fridge and it freezes everything that touches the left side of the wall of the fridge. <laughs> it's weird, so annoying. Right? Yeah. Oh, so annoying. Okay. So most of your product comes from like South America. Does anything come from Asia or Africa or anything like that? Uh, some of the product does come from Africa. Um, a lot of the more unique, um, um, what am I saying? The foliages and fillers kind of come out of Africa, I, I dabble in that a little bit. I don't do a lot because it's more expensive, I think, to ship. So the product is generally a little more expensive. Um, and as far as Asia, really, the big chrysanthemums, the really big ones come there, which I've noticed we haven't seen a lot of those. And I think it's because of maybe stuff going on over there or just the cost of the gas. I don't know. Um the big uh, Phalaenopsis orchids a lot of times come from there. A lot of the orchid industry comes out of there. It also comes out of Hawaii, but I think they used to rely heavily on Asia to supply that. I'm sure they have other things, but those are the two that I know that specifically come from that that area of the world. So, But they are more expensive, and um, I think we only get one shipment a week. Uh, one of my wholesalers out of Florida gets a shipment a week out of Thailand, I think, but super expensive. So I I interviewed another woman who um, has some e-commerce business. And so she and I were talking about the price of things being shocking, but she was going the other direction where she was like, you know, this spoon that I saw in a boutique for $25 that when I okay. talked to the wholesaler, it was $5. And when the wholesaler got it from the manufacturer, it was a penny. Yeah. So I know that that's, you know, very common, but are flowers more expensive than people think? Well, they, when COVID hit in 2020, the prices went up to Valentine prices immediately and they have never gone down. So I don't know what Valentine's is going to be. I've seen some price sheets coming in because I'm buying this week it's higher even than a typical Valentine's has been in the past. So it's a little scary. And that's another analysis paralysis thing. It's like, are the customers willing to pay that increase or do I have to eat it? I mean, it's, it's to a point where I'm deciding if, am I going to keep the door open at Valentine's or am I going to just say, Hey, only for my, and really this is kind of bad, but um, <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly, right? So the bad <laughs> thing is, I typically try not to take on new customers on that particular holiday. I try to service my existing because I have good communication with them and they know that my product throughout the year is this. And so I don't like to impress 
um, or try to impress a new customer at that time of year because it is more expensive. And what if they only buy one time a year? You know, they have a bad taste. And then if it dies in two days, you know, so what I end up doing is buy a certain amount when it's gone, it's gone. And um, then I just put the answering machine on that says uh, next year, be sure to, or, you know, we, um, we're out of flowers or it's too late or something to that effect. And be sure to leave your name, your email and your phone number, and we'll put you on the reminder list. (laughs) That's what I do. Well, and so. I I love that attitude because there's, there's, and I think that comes with you having the experience that you have. I think, you know, through this process, these interviews, talking to people, new business owners, one of the things that's come up is um, with new business owners, there's so, there's much more of a scarcity mindset of new clients, new clients, new clients, new clients, and they're not giving the, um, the love and attention to the existing clients and nurturing that base. So I love how you said that is, is part of your process that, you know, they get, they get first dibs. They're, they're yeah. your number one priority is the, is those customers. And I'm sure that creates quite a loyal base that you have. Well, that, and I mean, I don't know if you explored too, like to get a new customer costs a lot of money. You have to earn their trust every time. And so I'd rather retain the ones I have and, you know, make them happy. And then they're in turn going to refer me business. Most of my business is referral. I mean, up until this last year, I didn't really do a lot. I mean, I do some social media and some advertising, but I don't do, I don't really put a lot into that. I'm more based, you know, my, my thought is, you know, if you have a good customer, ask them to refer you business. And that's what I do. And um, I'm in some networking groups and, and that's what we do is we, we ask for referrals. So, Which and is it's so been crucial. Mm-hmm. Got to have the ask. So my other question for you is also related around Valentine's day. And I might just put this episode higher up in the queue because I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, that's such a cyclical time where you mentioned, you know, hundreds then to 10,000. So how do you staff for that? And what does that look like in that process of staffing and training? And, and what does that look like for you? And what have you learned over the years? Cause I'm sure you had trial and error. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, I have a few people that are just my regulars that basically family or like really good friends that they know that time of year, I'm going to give them the call. Um, you know, I do have some part-time designers that I bring in, but, um, I, this is really weird. I guess I'm just a weird person. I try not to, I try not to staff, like, like really put too much. What am I trying to say? I try not to overstaff because like I said, I'm a, I am basically uh, taking care of my existing customers and yes, I need a few extra people, but if you get too many people, then all your profit, which is very, like I told you earlier, is very thin because the prices are higher. Um, all that profit goes into paying for somebody to work for you. So what's the point of doing it at all at that point? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's where the ugly part of your um, <laughs> interview comes in is that, okay, maybe I should have hired a few more people and I'm up at three in the morning doing these things, but on major holidays or major big weddings or events, sometimes I am literally up at three in the morning and doing, doing what I need to do. And then I'm back 
at work first thing in the morning, you know, it's just kind of a, and maybe I put that on myself, but, uh, you know, over the years I've hired people, they don't show up, they don't do a good job, you know, and the sad part is you can't really afford to keep them throughout the year to give them the training they need. So that's kind of, I think the breakdown too is how do you, how do you handle this? It's, it's very difficult. I try to take on most of it myself. And then, like I said, the few people that I know, um, you know, people that have helped me in the past that maybe just don't do the flowers anymore. They have their, you know, stay at home mom or they're a, have another job or something. I say, Hey, can you take off that day? And a lot of times they accommodate, they, they understand how difficult this business is. So that's, that's a good, good thing. I mean, um, when we first started out, we just would hire, I remember hiring like six drivers and it wasn't, it wasn't my idea. It was the former owner because to add to this, I bought the shop, literally signed the papers on Valentine's day, another story altogether. But anyway, she still had a hand in it. (laughs) Yeah. Yuck. And my birthday is after Valentine's, so it's just a whole thing. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, she's, so she's like, yeah, you just hire anybody and anybody to do the driving. I'm like, what? And so I remember seeing this one guy she hired, literally just walked in the shop. We didn't know him. And I'm like, we're giving him a load of flowers. Do we know if he's going to just steal these and sell them on the side of the street? I mean, I really thought that as he, as she said, yeah we need you to help. And so I was terrified. So at that point she was kind of in the back making things. And I was more up in the front, taking the orders. I just kind of didn't give him, but maybe one or two things to deliver. Cause I was terrified. I didn't know him. So, I mean, I don't know if all floors do that, but I at least try to know the person a little bit before <laughs> I send them out, you know, and, and nowadays you have to also, you know, check and make sure they're you know, background check and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah. My goodness. Well, what's next for you? I mean, are you just going to keep going or do you envision actually following through with your threats to sell expanding? (laughs) I mean, what does that look like? What are the next steps? Well, this last year I sat down with a a coach and we outlined maybe where I want to be at the end of this. And, you know, I have a set number that I want to be, I have a, fo- a vision board with a, well, the picture of the house is more for my husband, but there was also a picture of a venue on the property. You know, that was kind of my vision board, but in order to get to that step, um, we need to probably take on uh, some satellite shops And I've already expanded my immediate location to a bigger, like took on more square footage in anticipation of that growth. And I'm looking at different areas of town to maybe put that first satellite shop. So that's what I'm thinking about this year to get the first one in place. And then, you know, as the, um, as I progress, we'll add on and maybe, get to, well, not maybe, my goal is five satellite shops here in town so that I can better service the clients and, you know, have um, quicker delivery times and, you know, just kind of expand to get 
to people to, to even know that I exist. I mean, I haven't really advertised out outwardly. I don't have a retail frontage. People don't even know I'm around and it's all by word of mouth. So that's kind of the plan. I don't know. Well, you have to I'm have a vision in order to, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't want to say I, I don't know if it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Actions. Yeah. <laughs> it's all those things. So I think that sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm here to support you in any way I can to help you achieve that vision. Very good. I will be probably needing your assistance. <laughs> I am here for it, you to make it through this emotionally. <laughs> well, Melinda, this was so interesting. I loved getting to hear. I mean, I never even really thought about where flowers come from. And I'm sure most people don't, you know, you just see them, you know, in shops and in the grocery store and, you know, and this sounds so bad, but as a woman, I don't buy a lot of flowers, right? Flowers are get bought for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really think about the process, but this it was really eye opening, And I really appreciate your time in, in sharing this and, you know, showing us the good, bad, and the ugly. Well, I appreciate you asking uh, me to be on and hopefully it was helpful. And like you said, eye opening for the general public. So love your florists. They do a lot for you behind the scenes that you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And whatever event it is, whether it's Valentine's Day or something else, put those orders in early. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Melinda. I will have your information in the show notes of this podcast. Um, and you can reach out to Melinda from there. Um, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Please like, and subscribe. So you will be notified of future episodes. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.